Whether you're a veterinarian who is incredibly savvy on investments or someone who has never heard the word equities, this podcast is meant to bring you simplification on how we believe veterinarians should view their investment approach. So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey everyone, this is CJ Burnett and Tom Seco. We are financial advisors, owners of Florida Veterinary Advisors, and the hosts of this podcast, the Smarter Vet Podcast. Our mission is to provide education to veterinarians so they can get clarity, take control, feel confident, and experience contentment. For those of you listening for the first time, we have many other resources available to you on our website, such as complimentary race CEs, assessments, videos, and different articles. Whenever you get a chance, you should go take a look at our website and uh, you'll be able to enjoy all these resources. So today we're going to provide you with an understanding of how to balance the investment risks inside your financial plan. The financial, uh, financial industry has a very typical approach on how they show people how to manage this type of risk. And it's through what the industry will call a, uh, an investment risk tolerance questionnaire. A lot of you have heard them. A lot of you have done them. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But whether you know what I'm talking about or not, it's just important to understand that a risk tolerance questionnaire is good. It's good to fill out. It's good to have a conversation, especially because a lot of the time those questions provide at least some somewhat of this checklist of things that you need to be thinking about from volatility to liquidity, et cetera. But even though they're very good, they oftentimes are not complete. I, I would also say with them as well, uh, they might not be a super good gauge of like who you are as a type of a person when it comes to the type of risk you want to take because True. the questions are approaching one specific thing, but you might have a whole different appetite. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny you say that because there's so many people that like when you talk to them about investments and about their tolerance for risk, they always have a lot of tolerance until the market goes down like it did with the coronavirus. Mm right? So like everyone tends to have a lot of tolerance until they're actually in that situation. And then their emotions can sometimes override what they were like. So when we're when you're filling out a questionnaire, you tend to be logical. When you're living through the, the moment of your market, your investments going down, that can be a very different experience for people. So right. uh, even Mike Tyson, what, it, what was his, uh, I think it was Mike Tyson who said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Ouch. Yeah. Right. No, I, like I, I everyone enters that. the ring. Like they have a plan, like they know what they're going to do. And then they get punched in the face and that plan goes like out the window, right? Because there's, there, you know, the emotional tends to override the logical. Often these questionnaires are done for investments that have a long-term time horizon, like things like a 401k or things you can't get to for a long time. But you really want to consider doing them for all of the accounts that you have, even for those accounts that are more liquid, that may be like a brokerage account or just a simple stocks that you own. Like if you own a handful of stocks, you want to, you want to think through the portfolio and see how it's reacting historically to things that you think different decisions that you make so that you have a, a complete idea of what your risk tolerance is for all of your assets, not just for 
one or two accounts. A good example of this is if you had four different 401ks and you always look at them individually, but never look at them all together, then there's a good chance that you're completely unaware of exactly how much risk you're taking because you haven't been able to squish them all together and see them in their totality, right? Because there are four different accounts and you're looking at them individually. You're not, maybe you're not even seeing that a lot of them have overlap. And with a lot of the different risks that are out there, there are many different ways to measure risk in the industry. And we're going to go through a few of those just to give you a little bit better understanding of how all of those break down. And the first one that we typically look at is what we call volatility. And that's where, as you would know, the market goes up and down. Uh, sometimes I think it goes diagonally. I'm just kidding. I don't think it really goes diagonally. Uh, but it does, like, depending on how many stocks you have versus the amount of bonds you have, like your account could be like uh, uh, the wild, wild west. It could be fluctuating a lot. Or if you're kind of hanging out on the side, being a little bit more on the conservative, like people call it, the account might be a little bit more of what we call steady eddy. It's good yeah, hanging like in there. Cash is like the ultimate, like, cash doesn't change. Cash is cash. Cash is cash. Right. Yep. There's no volatility with cash. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd hope not. <laughs> Most well, of the time, cash doesn't have any volatility, right? My checking account has volatility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can. Some months more than others. Yeah. Uh, money comes in, money that, goes out. Yeah. What would you say the second risk is, CJ? So the second risk that is often commonly referred to is the risk in timing, right? So depending on when you need the money, will oftentimes depend on how aggressive or how risky you can be. So the timing of those accounts, you know, if you don't need it, if you, if you can't get to it till you're 60 years old and you're 25 right now, then timing says that you, you've got a very long time before you're going to need those assets. So you probably can handle a little bit more risk than something that has a lot shorter time horizon. Like, let's say, you know, the, the money that you're setting aside for your kids to go to college. Right. Well, timing can also to add to that too, can also be considered to when you're putting money into the market, because if you're putting money in when the market's down or when it's really high, that could also impact and create a lot more risk in your plan too. I think the way to get around that risk is dollar cost averaging, mm -hmm. right? You know, instead of taking, we had a client who had, you know, $75,000 of cash that we were going to invest. And instead of throwing it all in the market at one time, we said, hey, let's take like 10 grand and over the next seven and a half months, just get the money invested, right? right? Do like $5,000 every two weeks and then eventually it's all invested and you're good, right? So you can, so that way you don't, you know, there, there are people even, we had a client back in February who had a large chunk like that also uh, of cash because he, he owns a business and, you know, he, he, he was like, well, you know, it's February, by the way, February, everyone remember February of this year, 2020, right? That we, we still thought 2020 had a, had a great outlook, I don't know if anyone remembers that, but then all of a sudden the coronavirus happens and everything tanked. Well, we didn't take all of his money and invest it all in one month. We just decided to do it over the course of a few months. So he actually only had a little bit going in February, a little bit going in March. And then whenever the market started turning around, he still had money going in that he was able to take advantage of the timing of it coming back up. The third type of risk that we look at is concentration. And that's yeah, where- that's a big one. Yeah, it's huge because, you know, sometimes if you ever look at how your money really is being invested, most of the time when we look at things like, are you owning a lot of uh, U.S. large companies? Are you owning a lot of international type of stocks? Uh, sometimes people will look at, you know, they have multiple different accounts, but then they're invested in the same different things. So depending on where a lot of your money is or how you're spreading it out, which we're going to talk a little bit more about diversification, there's a few different factors to look at. However, you know, concentration is very 
can be very challenging at times if you're, if you're not careful because you could put all of your money in one spot, but think that the volatility and everything else of it is not going to go up and down as much due to the fact of how it is or what type of investments it is put in. And the one thing that comes to my mind with this one in particular, when you have a concentration of how you're investing is uh, Enron. Like some people listening to this might remember the Enron scandal back, I think it was the late 90s. There were executives that had 97% of their wealth invested, right? Their $2 million, $3 million that were effectively on their balance sheet, all invested in that company because they worked for Enron. And then news broke that, well, Enron was not that profitable. And there was a bunch of issues and things that were being being told that were not actual facts. And the next thing you know, Enron becomes effectively worthless overnight. And people lost their entire retirement, their entire net worth because they were concentrated in one one company. And what's funny is veterinarians, by and large, like you, they say, well, you know, veterinarians don't really work for Enron. Veterinarians don't really work for big companies where they own a vast majority of that, that company stock. But I would say that a business owner, a veterinarian business owner, oftentimes the vast majority of their assets are invested in the business. And the business as the value of the business makes up the vast majority of their total assets that they have. So it's just really important to understand how concentration can can really increase the risk of what you're invested in, not just like in the stock market or in the bond market, but just in in your total assets in general. Now, there are a lot of other really nerdy ways of looking at risk, right? You beta coefficients, row, relative strength, et cetera, things like that. Um, we learned a lot of those in college as we were getting finance degrees. And, and there's even some things that are not actually quantitative that are actually qualitative that get really, really interesting for people who actually want to know that stuff. But we're, we aren't going to go into too much of that since this is a vet podcast and not a financial analyst podcast. Right. Um, although it's, it's, it is important that if, you, you know, if, if you're really looking at your portfolio, if you're managing your stuff, you really want to start understanding that there are, there are almost an infinite amount of ways that you can calculate risk and understand risk when it comes to investing. So to shift gears here a little bit, we have all these different factors that come into play with risk and being able to understand from an investment standpoint. And you know, how do we go about, there's a term called diversification. Commonly, a lot of people look at it as don't put all of your eggs in one basket. However, diversification isn't just around, you know, the amount of stocks and bonds that you have, but there's some other factors that come into diversification. So like when we do look at risk, CJ, could you give us a little bit of breakdown when we look at risk? Like how, what are some ways that we can try to minimize that or try not to be so concentrated or the timing and everything else? Well, when it comes to risk, the, you know, a good way to, to at least manage risk is to rebalance the portfolio often. Right. I mean, you know, some people rebalance it once a year, some people do it once a month, but just, I would say, you know, there is a lot of science behind how rebalancing can actually reduce the volatility of a portfolio. And I'd say understanding your investment profile and what it's made of, right? Where are you invested? What, what, what companies are, are you actually invested in? If you have mutual funds, be sure to look at what those mutual funds are invested in, because you might buy three mutual funds and they're all invested in basically the same stuff. So you bought three mutual funds thinking you had diversification, but you really, it's really not. They're all, they're all invested in the, th in the same things. And I, I would say naming conventions throw people off sometimes too, because it might say small cap or large cap, but you just got to be, be aware of what it's actually invested in because we've seen many times where the way that the mutual fund 
is defining a specific asset class, maybe not exactly the way that you're thinking about it. So it's important to, to just make sure you educate yourself around what mutual funds you own and how they're being invested. Also, how many different types of investments do you have, right? Uh, do you, are you just in large cap growth companies? Are you just in large cap value? Do you have small cap value and small cap growth? And like what, you know, how many different types international that's i mean that's yeah, international like brick uh you know BR, bric right uh what kind of what kind of assets are you putting in that portfolio in order to make sure that's well-rounded and diversified and and make sure that you can reduce the risk there i think taxes so we you know tom tom and i talk a lot about taxes because taxes are are a big deal uh especially in the in the tax environment that we're in where we know that the Trump tax cuts are going to expire in 25, 2025. We know that, the, that potentially, as, I mean, me as a millennial, I know that I might have my, my tax bracket go up over time, not because my income is going up, but because the government has 20 some trillion dollars of debt that needs to be paid back or, or whatever. Right. So some investment accounts are tax deferred. Some of them are taxable and some of them are tax advantaged. So there's three kinds. That you can look that you can look at putting money into and it's important to understand how each one not just how it works now while you're putting money away but also how it works in retirement because a lot of people get to retirement and they put most or almost all of their income into one of those buckets and now they just have basically one bucket when they get to retirement and they have no control over how they're being taxed on their money and then there's also ways that you can invest taxable investment accounts that reduce the taxes that you, that you owe at the end of the year. So you can, you can direct your investments towards asset classes that are going to be taxed in a specific way uh, over others. So you know, if you're buying a lot of large cap stocks who pay a lot of dividends, well, those dividends are taxed at, at ordinary capital gains. Mm-hmm. Right? They're going in on top of your income. If you're investing in a lot of small companies, chances are those small companies aren't paying a dividend. Instead, they're going to grow... At, at the value is going to grow and you don't pay the taxes on the value of the value growth until you sell that, that, that stock. So the nice thing is, is that sometimes in, in taxable investment accounts and how you're managing those investments can make a big difference on how, how the taxes you're paying in every year. There are many people that come to us just for that reason, because they've got a lot of money in taxable investments and they're getting slammed with taxes and they're not sure why they're not sure exactly how they can make sure that they don't, it keep getting hit in the face with a tax burden that just doesn't ever seem to go away. Yeah, there's, well, and to add to that, there's some that where, you know, you, you don't pay the tax now, you pay it later. You, there's some that you pay the tax now and you don't pay any later. And then there's some that you kind of pay some taxes along the way, but they give you some advantages at the same point. So, you know, the diversification of that's super important. And, you know, another factor that we play in here is what we call liquidity. So it's another area to diversify and, you know, some assets, they can be a lot more what we call liquid. So it means that you can get to it when you need it, like a CD or a bond, sometimes some types of taxable investment accounts. Uh, but then there's other investments that might not be as easy to get to like a, a 401k, which, you know, typically if you're below a 59 and a half, which is of current standards right now, uh, if you try to take it out, there are penalties, there's taxes. You got to be very careful from a liquidity standpoint of how you're approaching your plan today and then also approaching your plan over time. So the three different areas that diversify in are risk, taxes, and liquidity. 
So those are three main parts that you should look at when you're trying to save money. And when it comes to the overall volatility of things, when we talked about earlier, that there are investments break down into three different categories. We call aggressive, moderate, and conservative. There's a lot of different things that fall into these buckets, uh, but just to give you a, a quick little funny analogy for each one of these, you know, think of it like aggressive is like riding the Montu roller coaster at Bush Garden. So if you've ever ridden the Montu, it's a blast. When I was growing up, I remember riding it like seven or eight times in a row, but that thing whips you around upside down, <laughs> sideways, and your feet are dangling. The wood one's the wood one's quasi though, right? Yeah, that's not, the, that's the not Montu. Montu's the yellow one, the yellow and blue one. Uh huh. Yeah, you're, right. when they when you go around turns, I think they actually I think they actually dismantled that one. I remember when I wrote it yeah. though. You'd go around a turn and when it would go so much that like your head would whip against the side like that wasn't <laughs> that yeah. wasn't a good experience but you know aggressive you might be feeling a little dizzy at the end because it's just there's so much going on depending on how well you can handle that but the moderate type of investing cj why don't you, you know, give just a little breakdown of like what moderate would be so obviously moderate you're not going to have it the you're not going to have a a roller coaster ride like montu where there's a lot of there's a large upside and there's a large downside a moderate it's going to be more like the python right so that that little kitty there was a kid uh, at Bush Gardens. Obviously, we we clearly live in Tampa, Florida, right? Because Bush Gardens right around the corner, <laughs> and we're relating them to roller coasters at, at Bush Gardens. But the Python was a, a kitty roller coaster. So when you're you know when you're at the park and you've got a nine year old or an eight year old and they don't want to go on a big roller coaster because they can't because they're too short, you can go on the Python. But it, it has ups, it has downs, right? You're going back and le left and right and things like that. But it it's a whole lot smaller and it's you're a little not going bit more, upside down either. You're not going upside down. That's true. That's true. So you can you can eat lunch and then go on the Python, where I wouldn't recommend eating lunch and then going on Montu. So um, <laughs> if, if you want to if you want to keep your lunch, then you yes, probably don't want to. <laughs> you want to eat it and keep it. Yes. That the last one is is conservative, and you know think this is like I think the best example we could think of is like riding the train around the park. So if you're looking for kind of a chill way to just kind of relax and that you jump on the train, it's very steady, Eddie very calm but you'll uh, never get that adrenaline rush no you won't it and will you never, never go you'll never feel 15. like screaming either <laughs> yeah you won't be screaming you won't you know it's it's steady eddie you're, you're you know so aggressive large upside large downside moderate not so much conservative you know steady eddie just kind of goes with the pace and, and well and something just to add to this as well real fast is that you know aggressive moderate conservative doesn't just have to do with you know stocks and bonds aggressive, moderate, conservative can actually deal with different types of assets that are out there. There's a laundry list yeah, of things that's like good, yeah. real estate. Mm -hmm. There's things like comes to business ownership. There's other things like types of life insurance policies. There's whatever you can name it. Like there's a, a plethora of different things that you can put your money into from uh, aggressive, moderate and conservative type assets. Right. And depending on <laughs> like, depending on who you are and depending on the stage of your life that you're in and depending on your personality, it all, that can define oftentimes, right? Aggressive, moderate, and conservative. Mm -hmm. What goes in those buckets? Because, you know, uh, real estate might be aggressive to me, but it might be pretty conservative to somebody else, depending on how they're using that real estate. Absolutely. Well, and the key to approaching how you invest is by investigating how you can get more return without taking more risk, which is the reason why people actually go to see different advisors that are out there uh, because they want some guidance around, you know, how do I be able to earn more and not have to experience more? So like if you're taking a lot of risk and you're not getting the returns, then 
you know, that's something you want to definitely be able to take a look at and understand, but then also depending on your personality will really be able to help, you know, where should you be contributing money, how much you should be putting in spots, because that will really be able to break down aggressive, moderate and conservative type assets. So as we get older and we get closer to retirement, the more we start wanting to reduce our risks, because we know that we are running out of time that would typically allow us to be able to wait and save ourselves out of a bad financial position. And we, we talked about investment risk, but we haven't talked about retirement risk because those two are totally different. The risks that you're facing before retirement are almost the exact opposite, can be, depending on which area we're talking in, the exact opposite of the risk that you face in, in retirement. So since those risks in retirement are completely different than the risk before retirement, we're going to do a podcast on those risks next, right? That's part three. Real quick, like the Smarter Vet Podcast Facebook page. Don't forget, write us a review. If you're enjoying this podcast, you know, it could really help us out. You know, go to our page. If you could take a screenshot of this episode, post it on Facebook, hashtag SmarterVet. Give a, a little shout out to us and maybe share it with some of your friends. And, you know, if you're looking for some things to do beyond this, and you might feel like if you feel like you're missing something in your finances, and maybe there's some more that you can do, uh, go to our website and take our assessment. It's available right on the front page of our website and it says test my plan. Uh, so go take that complimentary, no charge to you, but it might give you some very insightful things for you to consider to, as you plan throughout the rest of your life. This is CJ Burnett. And I'm Tom Seco. Wishing you a lifetime of financial success. 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 Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purposes only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by park avenue securities guardian or florida veterinary advisors and opinions stated are their own this material is intended for general use by providing the content park avenue securities llc and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity all investments contain risk and may lose value past performance is not a guarantee of future results the individuals associated with florida veterinary advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals florida veterinary advisors is not registered in any state or with the u.s Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. So mission number 2023-151236 expires February of 2025.